calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving god, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hey everyone, welcome to Let's Get Civical. This is the podcast that breaks down politics, government structure, and dives into the context of current events, but in a super fun way. I'm Lizzie Stewart, comedian, feminist, and political junkie. And I'm Arden Walentowski, former Senate intern, campaign staffer, and political strategist. In this episode, we're talking about the Gettysburg Address. So grab your bliss copy. And let's get civical. Welcome back to Let's... Oh, okay. (laughs) I missed... I didn't pick up that you were going to keep going. Do you know what? It's the hair turban. The hair turban threw The hair turban is really what's throwing off the energy of this. Everybody, Arden is wearing a hair turban. You know, it's one of those like twisty towels when your hair is wet. She's currently wearing it. Um, I feel like seldom are you sort of not with some sort of accoutrement that is shall we say distracting it's, to me <laughs> it's literally i just because i feel like i'm always like okay i can be in this mid ready state right to appear before one elizabeth stewart right i have and no judgment she here. will still love me and always. she will not judge me never and it's all going to be okay and Correct. then when i'm when we are done recording i will then go back to doing to like getting ready for the day and doing more things correct which we love which we love (laughs) oh my god and i just simply show up to our recording sessions um speaking from beyond the grave because i'm i love so tired and strung out but here to talk about civics and history and everything in between yes so, since Arden interrupted me with her turban energy, 
Welcome back to Let's Get <laughs> Civical. Sorry. I'm Lizzie Stewart. And I'm Arden Walentowski. And today we are, oh my God, we are mid, we are mid-November. Literally. It's it's shocking. It is I'm so, shocked. Yep. I remember this time last year, everybody was debating the ethics of going to a family Thanksgiving. Yeah. Wild. Wild. And here we are, one year later. Broadway has opened up and is starting to shut back down. Is it really? And there's like, so my girlfriend's show is closing early. Lots of shows are closing early. I mean, and hers is closing early because breakthrough COVID cases that cost the show too much money. Wow. This is the first time hearing of it. Breaking news Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. here on Let's Get Civical. Yeah. That like, does suck. Yeah. Wear I mean, a mask. Don't like, like be considerate. Be considerate. Be considerate. Be considerate. Hashtag be considerate. It's so easy. It's so easy it's to so be easy. considerate. And yeah, the breakthrough cases are real. Everybody, please get vaccinated if you are able to. And have, I'm excited for the booster rollout. We love a boost. I know. Love a boost. Whenever you're eligible look- to get the boost, get the boost. Boost up, get the boost. honey. We love a boost. I look today, neither of us are eligible. Which is fine. Which is fine. Which is fine. Let people who are eligible and need it because they work amongst a lot of people get the booster. Great. Yeah. 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 Look, just like the vaccine, waited my turn, was thrilled to get it when I was able to, and it'll be the same for the booster, you know? We'll all get it at some point. Hopefully. Uh, We'll all get it at some point. Yes. But weirdly enough, we're not talking about COVID. <laughs> we're not talking about no. Thanksgiving just yet. We're talking about another massive event that happened in the month of November that I actually didn't know happened in the month of November, but I obviously know this no. event. I just didn't know that it was November. Do you know what I mean? No, I didn't know that either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So today we are talking about the one, the only, probably the most infamous address in all of addresses the gettysburg address this is an address you can't find on google maps honey no this is one embedded in our nation's history yeah and was delivered in on november 19th 1863 yeah she's it's it's her it's one it's her anniversary she's coming up she's coming up coming up she's coming up yeah so as I think pretty, I mean, like, I think it's easy. I feel like it's safe to say that most everybody touches on the Gettysburg Address, no matter what, how good your history curriculum is. Yes. You, you, you. Agreed. You touch on it. You glance by it. You say, and then this happened and very famous opening line. We'll save it for later. But you know what I mean? Yep. Like, yep. catchy. Well written. Yep. A good, uh, well written short she is short she's short she's short but she is fierce but she is fierce she is fierce it just goes to show you you don't need an hour-long speech to be hella impressive right right you can really edit 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 you know kill your darlings as they say kill your darlings it's true so yeah so today we're talking about the gettysburg address who she was what she said the history behind her and the impact of her words, her words, her words, her words. Yeah. 
All of it. Technically, Lincoln's words, but you know. Gettys. <laughs> his words. I mean, yeah. His but, words. But the words of the speech. His the words. Yeah, and this is actually blah, blah. Yeah. Exactly right. Cool. So before we jump in, do you want to talk about today's sources? Yes. Today's Sarsharonin sources are coming from history.com, National Geographic. Love. And Abraham Lincoln Online. Had to go there. Had to go there. Why not? Why not? It was great. I yeah. mean, absolutely. absolutely, absolutely. Three desirable yeah. sources for today. Yeah. All right. Well, let's jump into the absolute very basics of the Gettysburg Address. So, kind of the things that we probably all learned in history class, just to get a little taste of the address. So, these notes are coming from history.com. On November nineteenth, eighteen sixty-three. President Abraham Lincoln delivered remarks, which later became known as the Gettysburg Address, at the official dedication ceremony for the National Cemetery of Gettysburg in Pennsylvania on the site of one of the bloodiest and most decisive battles of the Civil War. So misconception, and I'm saying it's a general misconception, although maybe I'm the only person who ever thought of this. (laughs) <laughs> the Gettysburg Address was not delivered at the Battle of Gettysburg, but it was delivered Mm-mm. at the same place of the Battle of Gettysburg, but not before the battle. Yes. Clearing that no. up for and only I guess, me. <laughs> I guess I didn't realize that either, although I don't think I ever gave it that much thought as mm. to whether it was at the battle or in remembrance of the battle. Yeah, I guess to I me, think like, was, I just. We only learned about Gettysburg in the context of the battle, you know, like. Right. That's why I guess I always associated it with the battle, not after. Right. It was after. Right. It was after because exactly. so many people died. Yeah. 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 The featured speaker for the occasion was Edward Everett, a former dean of Harvard University and one of the most famous orators of his day. He spoke for two hours about what? This is what you I'm saying. You don't hours. need to speak for two hours. Two minutes. Plenty. Oh my God, this is hysterical. Plenty. So he spoke for two hours. Then Lincoln delivered his message. It took two minutes. Imagine being Edward Everett, who lit, went on a two-hour tangent to be <laughs> upstaged so catastrophically mm-hmm. by Lincoln's two-minute afterthought, basically, of like, just to wrap this up, um, yeah. four score yeah. and seven years ago. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, Edward. In the I you, darlings. I'm begging you. I'm begging you. Oh, my God. Though mm-hmm. he was not the featured orator of the day, Lincoln's brief address would be remembered as one of the most important speeches in American history. In it, he invoked the principles of human equality contained in the Declaration of Independence and connected the sacrifices of the Civil War with the desire for a, quote, new birth of freedom, end quote, as well as the all-important preservation of the Union created in 1776 and its ideal of self-government. Yeah, 
He's literally like, um, remember where you came from. Yeah. Who you were. In conclusion, remember who you are. You are my son. You are my son. So as Lizzie and I were talking about hashtag, uh, why, Gettysburg. hashtag why Gettysburg, like why, why, why make this speech here? So a little bit about the Battle of Gettysburg, not everything, obviously, but from July 1st to July 3rd, 1863, the invading forces of General Robert E. Lee's Confederate Army clashed with the Army of the Potomac under its newly appointed leader, General George, or sorry, General George Meade in Gettysburg, some 35 miles southwest of Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Two-day, three-day battle. Yeah. That's long. That's a long time. Like, I know that's this isn't time. unusual. Like, battles, like, are have been multi-day before in the past and yeah. many wars. But when you just sit and think about it, like, dang, that is a long time to be There are some nights fighting. Fighting. Not even fighting. Just standing and holding things. Holding the nights, line, yeah. Holding the line. Holding guns and canteens. And other things that you need to fight people with. There are nights where, like, I can't even watch a movie. I'm so tired. And these people are like, three days, I'll see it. You know, like, I'll raise you two more. Boo, 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 boo. It must also be, like, so mentally taxing, right? Because you... I can't even imagine. You have, like, that first rush of, like, I'm going to go into battle. Adrenaline, Mm -hmm. adrenaline, adrenaline. And then it, Mm -hmm. like... People keep dying. Like, people are being killed throughout these three days. Like, your comrades, the other people, everybody's dying, especially Gettysburg, for God's sakes. And then yep. on top of that, people are also getting wounded left and right. And this is the yep. Civil War. So they're being brought back to tents. You have amputations happening. You mm. have, like, people digging bullets out of, like, bodies. And then you still have to, if you are not out of the the fight aka you are not shot lost a leg or dead just to be like oh i gotta go back out there you know like yeah 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 dang heart goes out to the union man this was i know this and all wars but man this one this is a brutal one yeah a brutal one i like i wouldn't have wished this on anybody i mean just yeah uh, yeah horrible Casualties were high on both sides. Out of roughly 170,000 Union and Confederate soldiers, there were 23,000 Union casualties, which is more than one quarter of the Army's effective forces, and 28,000 Confederates killed, wounded, or missing more than a third of Lee's Army in the Battle of Gettysburg. So, like, it's just a profound, just a slew of people. A profound look. Can you imagine? Because also it's like, it's not like Gettysburg, like the, the the playing field of the Battle of Gettysburg is enormous, right? Like it's not like right. a vast stretch of land. So imagine being surrounded by effectively, ooh, 51,000 corpses, give or take a oh couple thousand. That is Just... a profound amount of of dead people like it's we can't even comprehend that's a that is a stadium yeah of dead people of dead people Uh, on a on a on a on a rolling green yeah of land i can't like i can't imagine seeing that right walking away from it and living 
just a normal life again? No, like, you can't. You can't. You literally how do you, can't. How do you even go on? Yeah. And it's also, it's like, yeah, the Union had 5,000 less killed than the Confederacy. But it's like, the, and I get the Union, you know, won, quote unquote. But like, in so many ways, it really comes out to a wash. I mean, yeah. I feel like technically, yes, the Union won, but how can it even possibly be a victory when there are 23,000 people dead? Yeah. You know? Crazy. Uh, yeah. Crazy. After three days of battle, Lee retreated towards Virginia on the night of July 4th. It was a crushing defeat for the Confederacy, and a month later, General Lee would offer Confederate President Jefferson Davis his resignation. However... Jefferson Davis refused to accept it. I'm just like, you, like, what is he going to do? Make Robert E. Lee continue fighting? <laughs> Go lead right now. Yeah, like, Take I, these absolutely people. not. Get back out there. Like, Go lead. Go back to the battlefield. Uh-huh. I don't know. Throw rocks at him. I don't yeah. know. Like, what? Also, like, go go get out of here, Robert E. Lee. Like, oh, I like now I can't do it anymore. It's like, man, you, you just perpetrated like 50,000 deaths. Yeah. So don't come at me being like, I can't do it anymore. It's like, you already did it, my dude. Get back out there. Yeah. So the U.S. victory at Gettysburg marked a turning point in the war, as after previous battles, thousands of Union soldiers killed at Gettysburg were quickly buried, many in poorly marked graves. In the months that followed, however, local attorney David Wills spearheaded efforts to create a national cemetery at Gettysburg. Well, thank God. I mean. I know. Somebody thinking clearly they're like wait a second this is we can't just leave it like this (laughs) no this is we can't make this a potter's field yeah wills and the gettysburg cemetery commission originally set october 23rd as the date for the cemetery's dedication but delayed it to mid-november after their choice for speaker edward everett said he needed more time to prepare well sure i mean two hours you need it's a lot of time to fill it's a lot of time to fill that is that it's, is such a long speech. A I don't even know movie. what I could possibly talk. That is a full ass movie. Yeah. This this is close to needing an intermission. You know, yes. two hours, no intermission. You have to have it. No. You got to have it. Edward Everett, the former president of Harvard College, former U.S. Senator and former Secretary of State, was at the time one of the country's leading orators. I mean, well, good for him. Same, honestly. Same. That's what people say about me. That's... Lizzie Stewart, leading orator. Uh, which to me, I'm like, okay, you talk good. You literally right. talk good. Great. <laughs> your your grammar is probably a little better than most Americans at this time who had no access to education. Great. Mm-hmm. On November second, just weeks before the event, Wills extended an invitation to President Lincoln, asking him. Quote, formally to set apart these grounds to their sacred use by a few appropriate remarks. <laughs> Close quote. He's like, hey, Prez, do you want to come just say just a few words? Say a few words. Great. And Little? Lincoln's like, hold my actual beer. Just wait till you see what I dished up. <laughs> In a few words, I'm going to take your ass down. Yeah. It's Two like hour speech. This is very much like how in Shakespeare in Love, Judy Dench won an Oscar for what could only be described as 10 or less minutes of screen time, where she was like, I will play Queen Elizabeth, but I will do it to the point where I will get an Oscar. Give me two scenes, call it done. And she delivered. Lincoln's doing the exact same thing. He's exact like, you want me to give thing. a few remarks? 
cool. Let me make this one of the most infamous moments in history. Yeah. Two minutes. Two minutes. Yep. We're going to take a quick break for a little word from our sponsors. You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so speaking of the few <laughs> few appropriate remarks, let's talk about the thing we want to talk about, which is the speech. So when he received the invitation, this is Lincoln, to make the remarks at Gettysburg, he saw an opportunity to make a broad statement to the American people on the enormous significance of the war, and he prepared carefully. And it shows. It's all about preparation, people. It's all about preparation. Prepare, prepare, prepare. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. Though long-running popular legend holds that he wrote the speech on the train while traveling to Pennsylvania, he probably wrote about half of it before leaving the White House on November 18th and completed writing and revising it that night, after talking with Secretary of State William H. Seward, who had accompanied him to Gettysburg. So, I think it's still impressive, though, to be like, let me just finish this up on the train. Which right. I think I think why it ended up being so profound is like I don't think that he nobody went in there with the intention of this speech being like the speech that's going to like boost morale. He just saw it as like, okay, here's another opportunity for me to kind of like yeah. drive home the purpose of the war, yep. like why we're doing this, yep. you know, why this yep. sacrifice is necessary. 
Yep. A couple of bullet points. This to me is like almost like obviously not the same scale, but kind of akin to I forget. I mean, then this is horrible. Like which mass shooting Obama gave that speech after where he like he could barely keep it together. Oh, it was remember um, that was Sandy it after Hook. Oakland? It was Sandy, Sandy Hook. Hook. Sandy Hook. Oh my god, yeah. Sandy Hook. I mean, that I was like you know, it's like that kind of a speech where you go out and it doesn't matter like it shouldn't matter what your party is, right? But you're you're like talking to the American people as a whole and right. being a leader, and that to me is like exactly this moment for Lincoln. Like I gotta heal this country somehow. This country yeah. has to come back together. Literally, we have to put land back together, right? And buildings. And how are we gonna do that? We need to like remember what we're here for, right? It's crazy. Yeah. Lincoln tied the current struggle to the days of the signing of the Declaration of Independence, speaking of the principles that the nation was conceived in liberty and the proposition that all men are created equal. Moreover, he tied both to the abolition of slavery, a new birth of freedom, and the maintenance of representative government. Despite, or perhaps because of, its brevity, since the speech was delivered, it has come to be recognized as one of the most powerful statements in the English language, and in fact, one of the most important expressions of freedom and liberty in any language. Okay, National Geographic! I know, go off, Any claim, claim. claim. Cool. All right. I mean, absolutely. So like many things from the days of yore, there are several different versions and copies of the speech. Ooh. Yeah. And these this is all coming from Abraham Lincoln Online, which, love. I love it. <laughs> this, shout out. I love it. This, this Shout out. This man was born in a log cabin, and he has a website dedicated to him. Yeah. I love it. He'd be so proud. He'd be so proud. So there are five known copies of the speech in Lincoln's handwriting, because there was no kinkos. Like I sure. just, I love this idea of like they're like, okay, here we go again. Yeah, four score and I set. know Fuck, I messed up. Scratch it. Well, I also <laughs> think that like once he's probably like if I was Lincoln, I couldn't deliver. I need something that just has what I need to say. Like if it's yeah. crossed out, I'll get. Lo- I mean, I can't read to begin with. <laughs> you know, so it's already it's already I'm already at a zero. But I understand the, the I guess, why he would write it several times, probably yeah. to get to the finalized version. So he only had to read off of, like, that, like, that version right. contained the speech. The speech. Yeah. So there are five known copies of the speech in Lincoln's handwriting, each with a slightly different text and named for the people who first received them. So... There's a Nicolay, a Hay, an Everett, a Bancroft, and a Bliss version of the speech. Okay. So they were like, Lincoln wrote it out, and he was like, It's a real, like, pop, sick, squish, <laughs> uh-uh, Cicero, lip shits type of situation. Oh, my God. Exactly. Okay. Oh, my God. Yeah, they had it coming. I know. They had it coming. Two copies apparently were written before delivering the speech, one of which was probably the reading copy. The remaining ones were produced months later for soldier benefit events. Gotcha, 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 gotcha. Yeah. Lincoln carefully prepared his major speeches in advance. His steady, even script in every manuscript is consistent with a firm writing surface, not notoriously bumpy Civil War era train. So like we were saying before, like there's this like rumor that he wrote it on the train, which is totally fair because like 
it would be like all over right. the place. Yeah, that's hard to keep, even for the best penmanships, uh, hard to keep steady on a bumpy surface. Yes. On a bumpy surface. I my, my writing looks like chicken scratch right now and I have a desk. Right. Additional versions of the speech appeared in newspapers of the era feeding modern day confusion about the authoritative text. So we're going to talk about the copies, the different versions, and then Lucky Lizzie gets to read the one that's like the, the one. Oh, the one. Just call me Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> so there's the Nicolay copy, which is named for John G. Nicolay, President Lincoln's personal secretary. This is considered the first draft of the speech begun in Washington on White House stationery. The second page is written on different paper stock, indicating that it was finished in Gettysburg before the cemetery dedication began. Lincoln gave this draft to Nicolay, who went to Gettysburg with Lincoln and witnessed the speech. The Library of Congress owns this manuscript. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. So then there's the Hay copy, believed to be the second draft of the speech. President Lincoln gave this copy to John Hay, a White House assistant. Hay accompanied Lincoln to Gettysburg and briefly referred to the speech in his diary. Quote, the president in a fine, free way with more grace than is his wont said his half dozen words of consecration, close quote. The Hay copy, which includes Lincoln's handwritten changes, is also owned by the Library of Congress. Sure. Sure. The Everett copy. We, Edward is the guy we talked about. He's the, or, the greatest Hubbard. orator of his the time. The greatest orator of his time. Edward Everett, the chief speaker at the Gettysburg Cemetery dedication, clearly admired Lincoln's remarks and wrote to him the next day saying, quote, I should be glad if I could flatter myself that I ever came as near to the central idea of the occasion in two hours as you did in two minutes. Close quote. I mean, at least he's like, he, he gets it. He, yeah, honestly, like, he watched it and was like, shit. That was excellent. Damn it. Damn it. Oh, my God. In 1864, Everett asked Lincoln for a copy of the speech to benefit Union soldiers, making it the third manuscript copy. Eventually, the state of Illinois acquired it, where it's preserved at the Abraham Lincoln Presidential Library and Museum. Makes sense. Yeah. The Bancroft copy. Historian George Bancroft asked President Lincoln for a copy to use as a fundraiser for soldiers. When Lincoln sent his copy on February 29, 1864, he used both sides of the paper, rendering the manuscript useless for lithograph engraving. So Bancroft kept this copy and Lincoln had to produce an additional one, the Bliss copy. The Bancroft copy is now owned by Cornell University. I love that. He was like, I oh love my God. it. I lo- Can you resend? <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't attached resend okay, so sorry i love that i love that i love that lincoln like made such a simple mistake yeah it's like oh <laughs> i love that god. oh god i gotta write this thing again so he wrote it again as arden just said and that copy became became known as the bliss copy so ever since Lincoln wrote it in 1864, this version has been the most often reproduced, notably on the walls of the Lincoln Memorial in Washington. It is named after Colonel Alexander Bliss, stepson of historian George Bancroft. 
Bancroft, as we just talked about, asked Lincoln to originally produce a copy for the fundraiser for soldiers. However, because he wrote it on both sides, he had to make another one. (laughs) It is the last known copy written by Lincoln and the only one signed and dated by him. Today, it is on display at the Lincoln Room of the White House, which makes sense for that. Makes so so much sense. And now what we're going to do, since we've talked about the speech, we've talked about there's five copies. We're going to, and by we, I mean I, I'm going to close out this episode by reading the Gettysburg Address as written in the Bliss copy which is the most noted copy of this address. You, if you close your eyes and you listen to my voice, you're going to be transported back to 18 in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. And you may think for just a moment, is that Abraham Lincoln? Maybe. Let me channel him. I'm not going to, I'm not going to do a voice. I can't do a Lincoln voice. I don't have that on on hand. No, but this is, The Gettysburg Address. Four score and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth on this continent a new nation conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. Now, we are engaged in a civil war, testing whether that nation or any nation so conceived and so dedicated can long endure. We are met on a great battlefield of that war. We have come to dedicate a portion of that field as a final resting place for those who here gave their lives that that nation might live. It is altogether fitting and proper that we should do this. But in a larger sense... We cannot dedicate, we cannot consecrate, we cannot hallow this ground. The brave men, living and dead, who struggled here have consecrated it, far above our poor power to add or detract. The world will little note nor long remember what we say here, but it can never forget what they did here. It is for us the living, rather, To be dedicated here to the unfinished work which they who fought here have thus far so nobly advanced. It is rather for us to be here dedicated to the great task remaining before us that from these honored dead we take increased devotion to that cause for which they gave the last full measure of devotion that we here highly resolve that these dead shall not have died in vain, that this nation under God shall have a new birth of freedom and that government of the people, by the people, for the people, shall not perish from the earth. End of Gettysburg Address. Not the most so difficult good. that I've had to read aloud. Couple of points no. when it almost tripped me up. It's it's but it that flows very old, nicely. It, it really does flow very nicely. Like builds on itself, mm-hmm. you know. 
It's a real. It's a good speech. It's, it's a, a really great speech. speech. Like, yeah. <laughs> and I know that that everybody's sort of been waiting for our validation of if it's a good speech or not. Um, they've definitely yes. been waiting for our take on it. But I'm here mm-hmm. to say, having just read it aloud, sort of impromptu, it's a good speech. It it's makes sense. I think it's very yeah. simple. Yeah, it's very it's very simple. He's just saying like, we created this nation. People died to create this nation. It is hard, but we will yeah. keep going and we will re- reunite the union and let none of the people who died here, who will be buried here, let none of those deaths be for nothing. Right. Like, let's come together and have our government again and have our nation again. Like, right. That's that's so that's so moving. Yeah. I also think that yeah. like his sort of his thought process around like this idea of you know, consecrating or dedicating this cemetery and him being like, this is already sacred ground. This is our, like, right. this This site is dedicated. Yes. It was dedicated yes. the, the day of the Battle of Gettysburg. What yep. we have to do yep. to actually dedicate or consecrate or do anything is win the Civil War and continue right. to fight for the Union and the mm-hmm. ideals of the Union. So, yes, it's all well and good that we're here to, like, do this ceremony, but this right. isn't the work. The no. work is actually still ahead of us. But, yes. Yes. Yeah. I, I love That's a great, it's a great sentiment. Two and minutes. I, I love that. Two minutes. And I know, like, it's not the week, this is not our Thanksgiving Day episode, but I, I do have a Friendsgiving this week. And so I love this, like, this sentiment kind of going into like what should be like a communal like coming together yeah. meal whether or not we ag- we agree with the story and the reasons for the original thanksgiving and how we got here right n- now to me like thanksgiving is about being with people that you love and are like either family or right good friends close family whatever it is um and so i love this like we're going to come together we're going to do this mm-hmm. we're going to come together we're going to honor these people because that's the only way forward. Yeah. Go Lincoln. Go Lincoln. Honestly. Go Lincoln. I think I have no notes. I so really I have, no, have notes. no notes. I know. What a great first sentence. It took everything in me to not stop and say, wow, that was a great first sentence. Yeah. And you, <laughs> they did, so seldomly you didn't do the, nail the intro. You know what I mean? It really, it's hard. And you it's did the hard. thing. Well, you didn't do the thing that I think most people saying the speech do, which is that like big barrel, like yeah, you know, you didn't do that. And I thought it was top notch. Great job. Thank you so much. I think it was just about hearing the words because I mean, I don't know Lincoln personally, and maybe it was this big booming speech, but I can also see a world in which it wasn't in which he got on stage and he delivered this address very simply. Yeah. You yeah. know, they didn't like, have microphones. It wasn't like he had like, sure. <laughs> it wasn't like it was heard far and wide. I'm, you yeah. know, like I'm sure people were like gathered around and he, you know, just kind of spoke very plainly, but presently. Yeah. 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 You guys, that is the Gettysburg Address. And that concludes yeah. our episode on the Gettysburg Address. Anniversary coming up. This week, next week, I don't know time anymore, but very soon. And yeah, I feel like I hope you take away something from this. 
people of Earth, <laughs> it will continue to live on, this speech, I think. Yep, I think so. So, as always, we love you so, so much. And if you like what you heard, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Let's Get Civical. As always, you can rate us, you can review us, you can subscribe to us. We love you so, so much, and we will see you next Wednesday. Goodbye.